and welcome to Lean Into You, a podcast to remind educators the best investment they can make today is in themselves. We are your hosts, Alex Farrell with Child Care Wages Tennessee and Wesley Mays with the Tennessee Child Care Resource and Referral Network. And today, we're talking about becoming co-regulators of our emotions. Whenever we speak with children, we are the emotional authorities. Kids are allowed to have tantrums because they're kids, but we as adults have to stay calm and collected. But holding that position comes with a lot of pressure, self-criticism, and judgment. How might learning to regulate our emotions in real time help us understand the behavioral patterns of the children we serve? Our guest today is Rebecca Parlakian, the Senior Director of Programs for Zero to Three. She has a master's degree in education and human development with a concentration in infant-toddler special education from George Washington University. In our conversation, we'll talk about how noticing how stress accumulates throughout the day is the first step towards learning how to regulate our emotions. One of the strategies that we pull from the mindfulness literature is just this idea of checking in with yourself and just being able to stop and pause and say, how am I feeling right now? We'll also talk about adjusting our expectations to a child's age and stage how we can begin to regulate the toughest parts of the day, and finally, the importance of relaxing into being a good enough teacher. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Hi. It's so good to be with you guys today. Yeah, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Um, So I think we'll just get started. So you um, are in charge of parenting resources for zero to three. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we we stumbled across, across a really great article that that you had written, I think, in uh, with somebody else on um, on the zero to three website uh, entitled yeah. "What What Do You Do with a Bad That You Feel," and that mm-hmm. could be conjuring a lot of memories of you know the um, the Mister Rogers song, and I think mm-hmm. that's you talk a little bit about that in the article. It's a really phenomenal article um, that I think would be a really great valuable conversation for a lot of our educators. And we sure. kind of wanted to start out with that foundation of, even though this is a parenting resource, um, there is, mm-hmm. our educators are kind of the parents away from home, right? Yeah, the primary caregivers, for sure, when children are with their parents. I think we talk a lot about how magical early childhood is and how important quality caregiving is. What we don't talk about is that a lot of times grownups have big feelings too, big Mm -hmm. feelings of love and nurturance, but also big feelings of frustration and anger. And our resource, What Do You Do With The Mad That You Feel, was designed to kind of play off on Fred Rogers' song, but also designed to acknowledge that, you know, the feelings that adults have with children and about caring for children, they're not bad or good. They just are. It's really what we do with those feelings that's so important. And what that resource we hope will do is give adults some ideas of how to manage their feelings when they start to have intense reactions to the children they're with. Absolutely. And I think that that's even potentially even more important for a, a um, educator child Mm -hmm. relationship, because, you know, when you're in a family, um, it's a lot easier to emote when you're, when you're at home, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a lot easier to know how to handle yeah. those things within the safety of your own home. But when you're dealing um, with a lot of children um, mm-hmm. and you're feeling these intense emotions, it becomes that much more important to know what to do with those emotions. And I think just to build on that, we need to recognize that 
you know, we all come into to the into work in the morning with sort of a certain amount of emotional regulation at our disposal. So if we think about that as a bank account, um, and every, all day, you know, we're having you know deposits. Like when a colleague says, "Oh, you handled that so well," or a child comes up and gives us a big hug. Um, but we're also having withdrawals across the day. A child has a tantrum. A child bites us. A, you know, something, whatever. Different things are happening, um, and. For early childhood educators, they're kind of managing multiple relationships with multiple children across the day. And so it becomes even more important to kind of be in tune with yourself Mm -hmm. and how you're doing, because taking care of yourself is really the best way of taking care of the children um, in in your group. Yeah, absolutely. What I really love about that analogy, too, is it starts to reframe stressors throughout the day. I think it's easy to just say, you know, when we're having a bad day or a stressful day, it's because of big things, right? Mm -hmm. That happen all at once. But what you're talking about is an accumulation of stress Mm -hmm. of sometimes it can be tiny little, you know, pinpricks uh, throughout the day that by the end of the day, I, I, I think that framing it in that way kind of gives that, that fresh perspective on, Stress is big. Stress is also small. And if you have a, mm-hmm. a full day full of tiny stressors, um, mm-hmm. then it can it can lead to an imbalanced response. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can leave you really depleted. So that when you really need to be present and be there for a child, it's hard to kind of marshal that. So I think that a really important way we can take care of our early childhood educators is by helping them to kind of keep that balance in check. Mm, absolutely. So what's one of the ways that, that we do that, that you can help to start kind of regulate or, or just check in with yourself? Yeah. You know, I think one of the strategies that we pull from the mindfulness literature is just this idea of checking in with yourself and just being able to stop and pause and say, how am I feeling right now? Because unless a child is in imminent danger of injury uh, or you know some other imminent safety issue. Most challenges that come up in an education class in an education setting probably can wait thirty seconds while we just stop, and we call that you know don't do something, just stand there. And that's when you just kind of pause and say, okay, I'm really frustrated right now. Yeah, and just often just naming that emotion helps us access kind of a more rational part of ourselves. We can also try talking aloud to ourselves. And I know that sounds a little offbeat, but there's actually research that says that, you know, people who use self-talk, people who say to themselves, okay, I know I don't feel like it, but I'm going to hold it together right now. And we are going to go over and get some paper towels and clean up that spill. Um, They kind of do a little bit better at regulation because you're kind of talking yourself through You can also do something like just take a deep breath in and a deep breath out, or you can just have a cup, a a drink of water. The reason why the breathing activity and taking a drink of water work is that you have to breathe when you're drinking, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So you're taking a breath through your nose while you're drinking, and it kind of forces you to do that kind of breath, that moment. So we can use these little tricks in the middle of our day to kind of give ourselves just that quick, okay, this is hard, but I can do it. 
um, that quick deposit back into our regulatory bank account. Right. I, I love that it sort of adds a bit of perspective. You know, you're t- you're saying take a second away and and sort of contextualize yourself within this moment. Mm-hmm. We're talking about these small little things, these small stressors that happen mm-hmm. throughout the day, um, and any no any one of those things we can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes that second to say, you know what, this isn't abnormal. You know, this is this right. is a this is a normal experience for me. It's just my emotions that are are mm-hmm. reacting in a certain way. So let's contextualize myself in this moment, and then we can move on from that. Yeah, and I think um, you know what you what you just said is really important. That you know this is normal. I think it's also really important to remember what's normal for child development too. So sure. you know what can we truly expect from the toddler classroom? What can we truly expect from an, an infant classroom? And to you know some research shows zero to three did a parenting survey a few years back in 2015 2016 that found that parents routinely overestimate the capability of their toddlers to share, to take turns, to control their impulses. And so I think more broadly, just for early childhood educators to kind of ground themselves in, like, what can we really expect of toddlers? Like, yeah, you know, it's normal to demand the blue cup, or it's normal to have a tantrum because we're out of peaches or whatever it is. It's normal for a child to yank blocks out of another child's hand, for them not to want to stand and wait by the door until it's time to go out to play. All of that is very normal when you understand toddler self-regulation, right? Um, And so one, another way that we can take care of ourselves is to really adjust our own expectations and look at, again, what you mentioned earlier, look at this big picture of, you know, this isn't, this isn't behavior directed toward me. This isn't about me. It's really about where the child is developmentally and what they're working on, which for the most part is, you know, learning about self-control, learning about turn-taking and learning about what it means to be a competent independent individual, which is really the job of toddlerhood. Right. Yeah. And I love, you know, it seems like the common uh, theme throughout all of these things that we've talked about so far is that contextualization that we Mm -hmm. talked about, because, you know, as the adult, um, we are the emotional authority. And so there's Mm -hmm. pressure that comes along with that. And the more that we put pressure on ourselves to say, I'm the one that has to have it together in this relationship between me and a child, um, that just adds more stress to the equation. And it, we, yeah. it, I think it's our human nature to then, as soon as the pressure is kind of turned up a little bit, that's when we start passing, mm-hmm. making judgments on the things that we're feeling. Right. Yeah. So it's constantly or on our partner in the relationship. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it, it's too easy to then slide into this feeling of, oh, wow, little Johnny has, all he did was throw a pencil and now I'm irrationally angry. I shouldn't be irrationally angry. And then all of a sudden there's this internal conversation. And I think the uh, the piece that you're getting that there, I think so beautifully is this idea of co-regulation and that, you know, babies and toddlers come into the world with a very limited ability to soothe themselves and to regulate their big feelings. And they do that successfully in the context of a relationship with another person. So Mm -hmm. babies are crying hysterically and are soothed often by being held by another person. Toddlers are having a tantrum. And what often doesn't help a tantrum is when the, you know, the the toddler is going like this 
what often doesn't help is if the adult goes like this too, because the toddler just, mm. you know, has no, doesn't have a rock to hold on to. Right. So I think, you know, our job in that relationship is to be their co-regulator, that mm. we're their calm rock, their, you know, court in the storm, that they know they can depend on us to help them regulate when the world gets too big and scary. And that can be really hard sometimes because sometimes they hit us. Sometimes they bite us. Sometimes they pitch a fit because they, you know, don't want this train and not that train or whatever feels irrational to us as grownups. But, you know, we serve that very important function for young children. Absolutely. And I love looking at this as sort of a practice um, for Mm -hmm. the other relationships in our life, Um, because we think about um, children, of course, this is normal for them in their development. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're we're saying, okay, well, then it's not about me, right? And -hmm. I think that's really good practice for other relationships that we have, because often Mm -hmm. we take things personally when we shouldn't. Um, just in maybe with our partners or, or the people that we in our family. Um, and I think that that's a really great meditative practice to view the, that relationship that you have with the child and saying, you know what, this is not, this is not about me. You know, oftentimes Mm -hmm. we feel like we're taking things personally, um, but we don't have to do that. And I think checking in with others, like our colleagues or our directors, um, when we're unsure of how to interpret their behaviors or their reactions is really important. I think that metaphor too of kind of our emotional bank account mm-hmm. is an important one in, in any of our relationships, whether it's friendships or you know intimate relationships or work relationships. It's like, what am I doing to make deposits Um, in my colleagues, you know, emotional bank account, and what are the withdrawals that I'm experiencing in my relationships? And what are these, what does the balance look like? I think it's a, it's a good metaphor to kind of think about healthy relationships as a whole. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So if we have educators that they understand this role that they play as a Mm co-regulator, but they're still having some, some, some trouble in that area. What are some ways that they can begin to mediate some of that friction um, after they've already understood and are starting to live into this role as a co-regulator? So, I I mean, there's two things that come immediately to mind that we often work with teachers on, which is to have them pinpoint what the toughest parts of the day are, Mm -hmm. like which parts of the day, which routines leave you the most depleted or the most frustrated. And so in looking at that routine, what can we think about together could be done to streamline it, to make it easier. So if it's, you know, I, you know, I think we were talking earlier about how I grew up in the Northeast. So is it getting snowsuits on to go play outside, you know, in January, that's your most stressful time of the day because half the kids are burning up while they're waiting to go outside and half the kids are crying because they don't want to put their snowsuit on. Mm -hmm. Or is it, you know, pick up or is it drop off time where, you know, parents want to talk to you for 20 minutes, but you also are holding two crying babies in your arms. So I think, you know, having educators kind of sit down and map out like, which are, what are the really hard moments? And then talk with a director, a supervisor, a co-teacher, an assistant about what can we do to kind of ease our pain points across the day Mm. so that we all sort of um, can get through that feeling a little bit better about ourselves um, and, and also the children um, so that it kind of doesn't become a stumbling block to having a good day. Right. Um, I think another um, element that helps is really 
sometimes it may not be a particular routine, but it might be a particular relationship. So maybe we find a particular child just really difficult. And so in that kind of a situation, you know, what we might sit down with a teacher and say is, you know, tell me about this child's temperament. Tell me about their strengths. Tell me about where their developmental needs are. What are they working on right now? Um, and then we ask the, um, then we often will ask folks, you know, tell me one thing um, that really bothers you about this child or that you have trouble with. And then we ask them to restate it as an I wonder statement. So um, for example, I might say, it really bothers me that Rebecca comes up to me and starts pulling on my shirt to get attention all day long. I really don't like it when people pull on me. It really bothers me. And so we might say, okay, let's try restating that to an I wonder statement. Like, I wonder why Rebecca needs so much attention and validation across mm. the day. Mm. And just kind of creating it as a wondering statement can really help us think differently about how we can meet that child's need in a way that's better aligns with our kind of needs as a person and our preferences, but also that models for that child a more um, socially appropriate way of having that need met. Um, and I think also considering temperament is important. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we ask them to describe the child's temperament and Sometimes there's a temperamental mismatch. If a child is super intense and highly has a high activity level, that can be a challenging child to have in the classroom in February, right? Sure. Um, so we can kind of talk to the teacher and say, okay, if a child is wired to be really active and to be really intense, what are some ways that we can, you know, for lack of a better word, like harness those powers for good? You know, are there activities that we can introduce into the daily routine of the classroom? Are there, you know, what are the possibilities, right, yeah. to make the setting a more nurturing place for you and the child? Yeah, I love this because it's very um, practical, right? Sitting down yeah. and mapping out your day, um, mm-hmm. it it's problem solving. And mm-hmm. I think that the yeah. more the, the more that you problem solve, the Mm-hmm. less you're going to have to deal with this in the future because you're, you're, right. you're looking at these problems, not as problems. And like you mm-hmm. said, with the wonder, the, I wonder statements, um, you're just, it's solution oriented. So mm-hmm. I know you know, you mentioned in your article, um, about being hungry, uh, before lunchtime and, and, yeah. and like, so, okay, let's consider what we should do here. Um, the example mm-hmm. was let's, let's have a, sna- a healthy snack. Right. Yeah. So all of these things, are, you know, especially once you get into the routine of them, they're going to make lasting changes in the future. And I think that it's great that you bring that up in relation to how kids um, what kids pick up on, because I think mm-hmm. having those healthy routines in that those really early formative years are going to, to carry on throughout their life. So it's not just helping you, it's helping them. Yeah. And we are children's model for how to build relationships. Parents have that role and educators have that role. So, you know, we, we have so much power as educators and young to shape the way young children see the world. And, um, you know, our caregiving strategies are a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I love this because it's being Mm -hmm. reverent to difference, Mm -hmm. being reverent to nuance 
being reverent to mm-hmm. uh, quirkiness um, yeah. and understand being reverent to the diversity of the many ways that human beings can can form yeah. and holding that with kind of palms a palms open kind mm-hmm. of kind of posture instead of like a white knuckle grip on um, mm-hmm. you're like this and I don't like it and mm-hmm. I need to change you you know right. what I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, the, it takes two to dance, right? Yeah. So, you know, as soon as you change the steps, usually the other person has to change their steps, right? And I think, uh, to, you know, kind of to build on what you just said, you know, so many of the educators listening to this now have heard of adverse childhood experiences, but there's actually a growing base of research on the critical importance of positive childhood experiences too. Mm-hmm. And so, oh. you know, by using practices like these, we really offer children the positive and nurturing early childhood experiences that contribute to them thriving and that do shape them as positive, nurturing contributors to our communities. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and those, those positive experiences as well is I think it, it puts it into to context, the little ways that, um, mm-hmm. that you've been a positive influence um, in the, the life of this child which I think comes kind of like to your your final point in mm-hmm. in your article, which is yeah. um, kind of to use your words. Nobody it's okay. gets it right. Yeah, yeah. to use your words, it's okay to relax into being a good enough parent or educator. Yeah, I mean, nobody gets it right 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what a lot of the research um, shows is that it's not being, it's not about being perfect. I mean, it's not about being Mary Poppins. It's about when I have a misstep or when I've had a day where I'm not 100% to really make an effort to reconnect with children, to get down at their level and say, gosh, you know, that was that was just a really hard moment that we had. But I want you to know that, you know, I care about you very, very much. And I am so glad that you are part of our classroom community Um, to be able to reconnect and, you know, give the child the space to kind of, again, feel like they are loved and nurtured. That reconnection, it's gold because the reality is, is we spend our lives in relationships where not everything goes perfect all the time. One of the greatest skills that we can learn as humans is how to reconnect with one another. Absolutely. I think that it, it fits really neatly back into the contextualization conversation because Mm -hmm. um, let's not take this one, this one, let's say we had a bad day. Let's not take this one day and blow it out of proportion. You know, we're talking Mm -hmm. about uh, years working with children, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, And when we talk about being those positive child, you know, giving children those positive childhood um, experiences as opposed to ACEs, Mm -hmm. um, that's not just going to be, you know, you're not going to define that by one bad day. You're going to define that as the, the, the pattern of, you know, your influence over time and, and seeing those, those small uh, moments as, okay, so I had a bad day. Let's learn from it. Let's, let's use this as a learning moment and let's move forward. And I think, Absolutely. and I think there's a, there's a certain energy to that as well. We've, um, in one of our previous episodes with Dr. Judy Skeen, she said there's a, um, the world needs educators who have come alive and that there's a certain mm-hmm. energy around the process of learning yeah. and being kind of addicted to that growth and mm-hmm. not being a, not cowering at the difficult moment, but really sticking your head mm-hmm. in there and saying, Hey, let's come through this together. Um, mm-hmm. and seeing the growth that comes on that, that other side that has its own energy 
And as we've said before many times, the, that we become more balanced, we become more whole, yeah. but also our children uh, pick up on that as well. And if those skills and that experience and that growth mindset, it has a ripple effect on all of the relationships in our lives, you know? Yeah, yeah, it does. So Rebecca, we've really enjoyed this conversation. We usually Me have our, too. Yeah, we usually have our guests uh, sign off with a little word of encouragement to our educators. Sure. Well, um, I think, you know, COVID has been a really hard context for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And we've had to constantly adjust and not know what's going to happen next. And one of the quotes that I've really relied on during this time is from Glennon Doyle. She's mm-hmm. an author. And uh, she says, we can do hard things. And that's something I you know, have really turned to over the last, I guess, seven months now. We can do hard things. Together, we can do hard things. Wow. Man, the simplicity of that statement has a lot of magnitude to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Really love that. What was that, Glennon Doyle, you said? Yeah, Glennon Amazing. Doyle. I'm going to have to look that up later. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, and uh, we hope you have a great week. Thanks. It was a pleasure. See you all soon. Thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. This podcast is funded through a grant with the Tennessee Department of Human Services and Signal Centers. Signal Centers is a nonprofit in Chattanooga, Tennessee, whose mission is to strengthen children, adults, and families through services focusing on disabilities, early childhood education, and self-sufficiency. If you have a review, a comment, a suggestion for a future episode, please do so on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash TNWages or email us at wages at signalcenters.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Lean Into You podcast, and we hope you have a great week.